0: Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Good afternoon and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to look at a very interesting parable that the Lord Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 18. and I'm going to start reading in verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast them into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Jesus spoke this parable in response to Peter asking him how often he should uh, forgive his brother that had trespassed against him or who had sinned against him and Christ responded until seven times not until seven times but but until seventy times seven and then, beginning this parable in verse 23 of Matthew 18. It says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. And that tells us that uh, the parables being spoken in follow-up uh, in response to Peter's question, how often should he forgive a brother that, that had sinned against him? and so this parable has a lot to do in instructing us on God's forgiveness and how the people of God are to forgive our fellow man as God has forgiven us and that that's a biblical principle that that God lays out in many places in the bible for instance in ephesians Four verse 32 it says and be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you so God forgives us we are to forgive one another and and that is an important teaching of this parable that it is hypocritical and God will take account of any servant, anyone who professes to be a child of God. And, and uh, therefore, in that profession, when we say we're a Christian, we're saying, God has forgiven me my sin. I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian in the family of Christ uh, because... God has forgiven me all my sins. And as uh, this parable says, if, if that's true, and then we turn around and fail to forgive one of our fellow servants who trespasses against us, something that he does against us, then it's like we take him by the throat and, and we can see how wrong this a servant who was forgiven a great debt. He was forgiven uh, a debt of 10,000 talents. And uh, even though, of course, we're living in a, a time in a modern day where we don't speak of talents um, in the form of money. And we talk about billions of dollars. And so 10,000 anything doesn't seem that big to us. Yet, yet, uh, we can still see that this is a huge debt that is being spoken of. And we also know that when the fellow servant, who, uh, I think he only owed a hundred pence, that, that's nothing. That's a very little debt in comparison to what the man owed to the king. He owed ten thousand talents, and his fellow servant owes him a hundred pence. Let's let's say that's like uh, someone who owes a creditor a billion dollars, and is forgiven that debt of a billion dollars, and then he has uh, another man uh, who owes him a hundred dollars, and the other man beseeches him just like he besought his creditor to forgive him a billion and and that kind and generous creditor did forgive him a billion and then he comes to the man who owes him a hundred dollars and insists with with fierceness that he pay the debt that he pays everything that's owed him and he casts him into prison when he doesn't we can see how evil how uh just terribly evil it is for this servant forgiven so much so huge a debt that he owed to not um, be just just in the smallest way forgiving to a fellow servant and really we we shake our head and we think, well, what a, a, a bad man this is. What, what a evil person this is. Uh, did he not learn anything that when, when the king forgave him so much, didn't he, um, recognize the, the grace, the mercy, that just the tremendous forgiveness that was shown to him? And shouldn't that have really uh, impacted him and affected him. So then later on in his life, not just the next day, but for the rest of his life, however long he lived, should he not have remembered the, the debt that was forgiven him? And whenever someone owed him a little amount, really we would expect that this man would have been so impressed by the great debt forgiven him uh, and that it would have always constantly been in his mind and he would have uh remembered and then said, "You know what? Look at all I've been forgiven. And I could never have repaid that debt. No matter how much I would have tried and worked and and I just never could have repaid it." So let me forgive this, this man who owes me a hundred pence or a thousand pence. If it were a thousand, let me forgive it and let me forgive him completely, totally and not even consider it a debt any longer because I've been forgiven this great debt. And, and how could I not forgive someone else? We would think. That would be the mindset of this person for the rest of his life. And it would actually be a proper thing for him to think that way. That would be a right thing, a correct way for him to think. And notice that he's reported to the king by other servants who witness um, both transactions. They witness the king forgiven him the great debt and they witness this man not forgiving his fellow servant a very tiny debt in comparison and they they tell the king because they were very sorry it, it was a, a a grievous a terrible thing to behold and of course we can see what god is teaching and it, it is, uh, a good lesson for every one of us that, that we ought to forbear with our fellow man, our fellow human being. And we who hope and, and believe that God has forgiven us our sins and how many sins did God forgive us? All of our sins and uh, and are are we little sinners or are we great sinners? Well, the one that God has saved, he's opened up their eyes because he has taught them his law the Bible and they say their transgressions as a result, oh, I've broken the law of God in thought, word, and deed multitudes of times, multitudes. The charity, the Bible says, shall cover a multitude of sin. And that is the the case with each sinner that we have offended God multitudes of times. And, and, and when God forgives the sin debt of his people, he's forgiving a great debt. And of course, it, it is sin that's, uh, um, in view here. It is forgiveness of sins that God is, uh, teaching us about. The, the Greek word translated as ode, um in, uh, verse 24 of Matthew 18, and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. This is Strong's number thirty-seven eighty-one, and it's also found in Matthew chapter six, in verse uh, twelve. And this is in the the midst of the Lord's prayer. Uh, it, it says in Matthew six uh, verse ten, "Thy kingdom come." Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the word translated as debts is the word owed or translated as owed back in Matthew 18. That he owed him 10,000 talents. It was a debt and The, the Lord's Prayer, where it is saying, forgive us our debts. Well, we know very well what God is talking about. Our sins. That's what we need forgiveness for. We need God in the day of salvation. This was the great need. Well, it's the need now, but God is no longer saving people. Uh, and, and yet the great need of man has always been for God to forgive our sins. That's salvation. That, uh, If that could happen in the life of someone, and it did in the lives of God's elect, then they would become saved, they receive eternal life, they, they're uh, forgiven all sin, their slate is wiped clean, their sins are washed away, they're a new creature. Every sin, every transgression, every iniquity has been forgiven and cast into the depths of the sea uh, to be remembered no more. It's as far as the east is from the west. God uses many figures of speech to describe this one glorious truth that the one he has saved now is clean and pure and washed in his sight, and bears their sin no more. Well, that, that's what this word, Ode, is pointing to. Actually, the word, uh, the, this Strong's 3781, that's translated as dead in Matthew, deaths in Matthew 6.12, is also translated as sinners, as the word sinners in uh, Luke 13 from verse 1. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell, and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In verse 4 of Luke 13, where it says, think ye that they were sinners. The word sinners is the same Greek word, and really it should be translated as debtors. And yet God translates the word as sinners because that's exactly what's in view. It is sin that that he is talking about. That's what this servant owes God, who's typified by this king, is a huge, a tremendous, an unpayable sin debt. The... The man cannot pay 10,000 talents, and neither can any sinner pay God the debt that he owes um, because of his sin, that is, of ourselves. No one can satisfactorily repay the sin debt. And the law of God will exact justice, it demands payment. For sin and yet no man can pay the, the debt and, and live and, and continue on in life. That's not possible. It is, uh, it, it's an insurmountable debt. It's too large, too big for any human being to pay. And, and that's, uh, one reason why it's typified here by such a, a great sum of 10,000 talents. Now, let, let's look at verse 23 of Matthew 18. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And, and we've already um, said, and and it's true, that the king is a type and figure of God. And the servants would be those that um, primarily profess to be God's people. They are the professed Christians. And the king is coming, and he's going to take account of his servants. Now, on another level, it would be all mankind, because all men were created in God's image to serve him. And... We all bear that responsibility and obligation. And that's why man is bound to the law of God. The law of God tells us how we serve God. In keeping his commandments. In doing his will. And men rebel. Transgress the law of God. And fail to serve him. And, and that's true of every human being. We're all servants of God at, in, uh, by creation. But, in particular, God has those that profess to be his children and profess to be Christian. And so, there comes a time when the king would take account of his servants. And the um, word account is Strong's number 3056. It's logos. And it's translated as many different English words, but it is also uh, translated as count in some other very significant places. In Matthew chapter 12, in Matthew 12, beginning in verse 36, it says, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And this is um, relaying the same idea as in Matthew 18. The king is coming to take account of his servants. And here in Matthew 12, 36, Every idle word, even that men shall speak, they shall give account in the day of judgment. And that's what's in view in Matthew 18. It's the day of judgment. Also look at Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. It says there, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us. And uh, this includes the true believers. Remember, Judgment Day began May 21, 2011. The judgment seat of Christ has been underway. All have been brought before the judge. And it is the elect that are standing, that is enduring, continuing through the period and will come out, the, the judgment will be, I find no fault in them. Their works are good because their works are Christ's work. And, and, and so they will endure the wrath, endure the judgment. They'll stand. It, it's the ungodly that will not stand in the judgment. But every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And that's the exact uh, picture that uh, Matthew 18 is presenting with the king coming to take account of his servants. It's the day of judgment, it's the time of the judgment throne of God, the judgment throne of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the servants are coming before him. We read in First Peter chapter 4. And in verse five, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? And the quick would be the living, and of course the dead are uh, the dead. And and we we find this statement a couple of times at least in the Bible, and it it's indicating that in the day of judgment, God takes account. Of the living and of the dead. The elector present, living on the earth in the day of judgment. And so are the spiritually dead, the unsaved people. All must give account whether they've done good or done bad. The day will reveal it. And again, who can do good? Not one, unless Christ has saved them and imputed his righteousness to them then they're they're counted as doing good in him his righteousness his obedience and so forth well uh, that's that's what's in view here in Matthew 18 let's go back and look at verse 24 and it says and uh, when he had begun to reckon One was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, again, let's consider the situation. The king is God. He's taking account of his servants. We've seen that the giving of account is in the day of judgment. So it's God judging. God judging in the day of judgment is what the parable is pointing to. And then verse 24 says, And when he had begun to reckon. Now the uh, word reckon is Strong's number 4868. And it's also found in 4868 in Matthew 25 in another parable where a Lord comes and, and reckons with his servants concerning talents. In Matthew chapter 25, it says in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Now this word reckoneth actually is a, a combination. It it's the word uh, that we find translated as account back in Matthew 1823 the the logos 3056 as well as the 48 and um, 68 words. So it, it's both words that are in view the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. that is give account. Give account of your stewardship, give account of what has been entrusted to you, the talents, and, and yet the taking account or the reckoning again relates to judgment day. It relates to God finding out or, well, he's always known, but, but now it's time to Um, have things revealed. The day will reveal. Are you a servant that is gold, silver, precious stones, or a servant that is wood, hay, stubble? The day will reveal this. Now, what's very interesting is that Matthew 18, verse 24, says, And when he had begun to reckon... He begun to reckon. This is the king coming to take account. So this is God coming in judgment and beginning to judge, beginning to reckon. And what does that remind us of? When did God begin to judge? Well, the Bible tells us very definitely in first Peter, Chapter four in first Peter four and in verse seventeen, the first part of the verse says, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Judgment must begin At the house of God. And this word is the same Greek word uh, that's translated as begun back in Matthew 18, 24. And that's exactly the beginning point of Judgment Day. The overall judgment of God, the final judgment that he has reserved for mankind and especially for his servants, the servants of God. He starts with them. He reckons with them first before turning his attention to the rest at what shall the end be of those that obey not the gospel. These servants claim to obey the gospel. So I'll start with them, basically is what God is saying. Judgment begins at the house of God. It, it's the same principle. It's a same thing in view as in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 9. When men with slaughter weapons are commanded by God to uh, uh, go into his sanctuary. In Ezekiel 9, beginning in verse 5, it says, And to the others he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him. Through the city and smite, let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house." Judgment begins at the house of God. It begins on the churches and congregations of the world. The the wrath of God began on the corporate church, and because God has opened up the biblical calendar of history, and God has revealed um, the timeline for the end of the world to the understanding of his people, we know when judgment began at the house of God. We know because we know when the church age ended. And the church age ended May 21, 1988. And and that's when judgment began on the churches of the world. That's when the great tribulation began. And by God's grace, he's also revealed to us the timeline for the great tribulation of an exact 23 years. From May 21, 1988, when judgment began at the house of God, through May 21, 2011, an exact 23 years, 8,400 days. Exactly. 8,400 days of judgment exclusively on the unfaithful churches and congregations of the world. God came to reckon with his servants. And as this verse is telling us, as uh, in this parable, the Lord Jesus is telling us, the king comes to take account of his servants... And when he had begun to reckon. So God is is placing his finger on the beginning point of the judgment on the churches. The churches claim to be the servants of God. And God came to reckon with them on that day. And uh, as we read in that verse in Matthew 12, that it's in the day of judgment. That men must give account, and judgment began at the house of God, all right, well, uh, we you're probably saying, all right, I got that point, well, what's the big deal? we've known that, yes, yes, we have, but notice what else is in this same verse again matthew eighteen twenty four and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him. 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Not 9,999. Not 10,046. Not 11,000 or 17,000. 10,000 talents. That 10,000, we know, represents the complete debt that, that this servant, owes to the king as the number 10 in the Bible points to completeness. Now, we say that all the time, but it's good to be reminded. Turn over to Luke chapter 15. And in Luke 15, there's a series of parables. Verse 8 says, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, If she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house, and so forth. Ten pieces of silver pointing to the completeness of what's in view. Back in verse 4 of Luke 15, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until we find it. Again, one hundred is pointing to the completeness of what's in view. Uh, we, we find that ten or a hundred or a thousand, as it says in Revelation 20 and verse six, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The completeness of reigning with Christ, which is eternity the thousand, hundred, ten, the number ten or multiples of ten maintains a consistent meaning of completeness in the Bible. In Jude, in Jude 14, and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Again, the complete number of saints or what's in view, whether it's thousand or ten thousands, it's pointing to completeness of whatever God is talking about, whatever in view. In this case, the completeness of saints. And we can prove that's what it means, that it, it's not saying that the Lord is coming with a limited number of thousands. That is, that it's not literal. Uh, if we go to to Zechariah fourteen and verse five, at the end of the verse, uh, it says, "Jehovah, my God, shall come, and all the saints with thee." And again, the Lord comes in Jude fourteen, but it doesn't say with all the saints. It says with ten thousands of the saints. Because it's pointing to the completeness of saints or all the saints. And it's how God wrote the Bible. And, and so the ten thousands become synonymous with all. Or the complete number of God's elect, everyone he saved, uh, comprises all the saints. Well, in Matthew 18, the man owes 10,000 talents. And later on, uh, when it's found out that this man who has forgiven that great debt did not forgive a fellow sir, servant a minor debt, uh, it was said to him in verse 34 of Matthew 18, and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay All that was due unto him. All the debt. And that's what the 10,000 is pointing to. The complete debt. The the completeness of the sin debt that the servants owe to the king. That sinners owe to God. It must be paid in full completely. You you can't um, pay most of it. And, and, uh, you know, uh, today that's, that's how we pay our bills, isn't it? We, we pay portions. We, uh, we may owe a great debt on a house or a car or something like that. And we pay, um, a little bit at a time, month by month. Well, uh, if you try to do that with your sin debt, uh, if anyone tried to do it, uh, they would be cast into prison and never come out uh, because it's an impossible debt to pay. And that's the language that's used concerning it. Um, It's similar to what we read in Matthew chapter 5 in verse 25 and 26. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Remember we, uh, we read earlier in Matthew 1236, you you have to give account in the day of judgment. Well, the word give is the word translated as pay. You, you must pay the debt. Pay the account in the day of judgment. The, the day of judgment is the time for payment to be made. That is, it is the time God is coming to reckon. He finds the servants owe him this debt. And also with the churches and congregations, he has found that they have not been bringing a gospel that brings forgiveness to others. They've been unfaithful in that endeavor. So when God hears the report that they have been grabbing others by the throat and choking them, and, and that's an indicator of, uh, really th- there's no forgiveness there. And when you bring false gospels, there's no forgiveness in false gospels. When you teach people to accept Christ, to get saved, and, and they follow the things you're saying, but they do not get saved because there's no forgiveness in that kind of a gospel. Well, and God hears the report of this. He comes and he begins to reckon with that servant as judgment begins at the house of God, and we know that reckoning started, it began on May 21, 1988, and it continued for 8,400 days of the Great Tribulation. And then on May 21, 2011, the judgment of God, the, the final day of reckoning, as some people call it the time for giving account transition from being on the churches exclusively to include the unsaved inhabitants of the earth all unsaved men were now under the judgment of god and uh, you know we knew we've known for some time that may 21 2011 was a day of transition it was we never thought that it would be the day the world ended no uh, we we saw that the bible spoke of 5 months period and we took it literally and so we were incorrect about the duration of judgment day even um years ago we knew judgment day would be a prolonged period of time but we were wrong in taking the Revelation 9 reference to five months literally. It was actually a figurative reference. And, and so we've, uh, since May 21, 2011, searched and, and tried to find, well, how long will Judgment Day be? We know that God locked in May 21, 2011 as Judgment Day. We realize the Bible uh, proves spiritual judgments, and that a spiritual judgment took place, in which the door of heaven was shut, and God stopped saving people um, in the world exactly as He had done in the churches. And yet, our search had to do with how long will this period be, and we were really searching for the answer to how long. Before God completes the judgment. How long before the judgment on the world is completed? You know, the very statement, judgment begins at the house of God, calls for a completion. Because there has to be an ending to it. The the Great Tribulation was the beginning stage. It was 8,400 days of judgment that begun on the house of God. And once that was finished, it was necessary to go or expand to the world. And we began to look for its completion. When will the day of judgment be completed? And that's what we've been looking for all along. When will God complete the judgment that he started on the churches and congregations? Well, isn't it interesting that in this verse of Matthew eighteen twenty-four, where the king is taking account and reckoning that God says he begun to reckon, and that ties in with judgment beginning at the house of God, and then the statement is made, that the servant owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000. And 10,000 has to do with completeness. The, it's the complete debt. And as we saw in all those verses, and there's many more in the Bible, 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000 points to the completeness of what's in view. And it was a few years ago now that, as we continue to look in the Bible and beseeching God for for answers to the question, "How long, O Lord, till you complete your end time judgment on mankind?" and and conclude these things that we were reading in Revelation fourteen. And in Revelation 14 is a chapter in which God goes into um, serious detail concerning Judgment Day. He speaks of the cup of His wrath and giving it to drink to, in, bringing torment to the unsaved people. Then He describes Judgment Day as a time of putting in the sickle to reap. And in that context of the Lord Jesus Christ coming, reaping as the harvest, the Bible says is, is the end of the world. We read uh, in Revelation 14, starting in verse 19, and the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Sixteen hundred furlongs. Well, after a while, we realized that the context of Revelation 14 is Judgment Day, and Judgment Day on the world began on May 21, 2011, and we soon realized that God speaks of knowing your end in the Psalms and the measure of your days. So he ties together the end and a measure of days. And here we have a measurement given, a space of 1600 furlongs. Could it be days? And, and so we, God gave us that number, 1600. God's the one who speaks of the end, and in, the, in association with the measure of days. Uh, can't remember exactly what psalm. I think it's Psalm 39, but but it, it uh, it's in the Psalms. And so, what if the 1,600 furlongs represented 1,600 days? And, and so we we began to consider that and. Well, as Mr. Camping used to say, Lo and behold, 1,600 on this hand as the duration of Judgment Day, and on the other hand, 8,400, we know, was the length of the Great Tribulation. You put them together, and it comes to 10,000 days. 8,400 plus 1,600 equals 10,000 days. And more than that, the 10,000th the day is October 7th, 2015. And that happens to be the last day of the Feast of Harvest, which uh, matches perfectly with the context of harvest in Revelation 14. And the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, because... Those two feasts were held uh, together simultaneously in conjunction with one another. And it's also the 10,000th day. Wow! Wow! October seventh, 2015 is the last day of harvest, the last day of tabernacles, the last day of a 10,000-day period that began at the house of God, on May 21, 1988. Now, try to think of the odds. You know how the world likes to talk about odds. What are the odds that we could find a number in a chapter describing Judgment Day, and a number that when put together with May 21, 2011, the date God had broadcast to the world, this is the beginning of Judgment Day for the world, that that would land on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, four years, four months, and 16 days, which is four times four, later, on Wednesday, which is the fourth day of the week, what are the odds of that? Well, that that would be just... Um very, very large odds and and also that that day would be a ten thousandth day, ten thousand and the number ten thousand points to completeness, but it it's not just uh the number ten, it's ten thousand, which is ten times ten, and you get a hundred times ten, you get a thousand. Times 10, you get 10,000. That's 10 to the 4th power. And this day, 1,600 days later, is 4 years, 4 months, and 16 days, which breaks down to 4 times 4 on a Wednesday, the 4th day of the week. And it's the 10,000th day, which is 10 times 10 times 10 times 10. 10 to the 4th power and and uh, wow that this is certainly an outstanding possibility that that will be the day and also in our parable judgment this king is judging he's reckoning with his servants he's taking account of them he's begun to reckon and god gives us the number 10,000 talents, 10,000 from the point of the beginning of God's reckoning with his servants. When judgment began at the house of God, is it a coincidence that we go 10,000 days and we come to October 7th, that 10,000th day, the last day of tabernacles? Uh, Well, let's consider how God speaks of a talent, in Revelation 16, and the the word talents is Strong's 5007, and this word is 5006, and it's different because it it actually uh, the whole phrase weight of a talent uh, is is how this Greek word is translated, but it is derived from the word talents, in Revelation. Um, 16 again it's judgment day in view it says in uh, verse 21 and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven every stone about the weight of a talent and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail for the plague thereof was exceeding great now Let's think about this. The The hail, great hail from heaven is falling. And what does that represent? Well, in another place, God speaks of hail, fire, and brimstone. It's the wrath of God. It's the pouring out of the wrath of God in the day of judgment. And it's likened to the weight of a talent. The weight of... ...of a talent. When God began to reckon with his servants, the debt was 10,000 talents. A talent is here identified with the wrath of God. And God has been pouring out his wrath. He started with the church and now with the world. And on October seventh, 2015, it will be the 10,000th day that God has been pouring out His wrath at at this time at the end of the world. And it very well could be that the 10,000 talents identify with the 10,000 days that God has been pouring out His wrath. It's the weight of a talent each day, the wrath of God, first falling on the churches and congregations of the world, for 23 years, and then falling on the world itself, including the churches and congregations, the, those servants, the, the servant that's in view, uh, you know, he typifies uh, primarily those in the churches and congregations. Well, uh, just because the judgment ended on the church doesn't mean they're no longer under judgment. Now they're part of the world under judgment. So they get a more uh, terrible judgment. More grievous is their judgment. That's why the Bible says they get more stripes. They get the full measure, 10,000 stripes to the servants that were wicked servants. Thanks for joining us for E-Bible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.